Hey friends, Josh here. There's nothing more nostalgic when drinking beer than hearing the hiss of that bottle open up and release the aromatic siren song of hops, malted barley, and yeast. If drinking from a bottle is your thing, of course. Drinking a cold one from the bottle is cool, but having a draft poured straight from the keg, much more sophisticated. Also, tapping a keg is much more entertaining than a twist-off. As Pint Glass Preachers looks to grow, we need the help of you, our listener, to tap the keg. Tapping the PGP keg will help us cover the cost of producing one of the most mediocre podcasts available in 2018. So visit www.gofundme.com slash tap the keg to make your donation and tap the keg keeping twist-offs off our table for at least the next 12 months. Your gift to us, by the way, will in no way be tax deductible. So why not? Just head over to www.gofundme.com slash tap the keg. You can even stay in your Walmart-appropriate pajamas without having to get in your car. Or you could just do it the easy way and just pull it up on your mobile or desktop device right now. Thank you for listening and joining Gabe, Tom, and I around the table for occasional chats. Cheers. Now, on to the episode. Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to In Class Preachers. I'm your host, Tom. And there's, of course, the other hosts. There's Josh and there's Gabe. Now, I want to tell you this story. The other day, I'm online shopping and I really wanted this coat. Uh, it was a, a, it's a kind of a, a midway jacket, if you will, kind of a spring and fall, at least if you live up here in the, in the northern parts of the United States. And so on the outside, it had one of those materials that's more, uh, you know, repels water and the wind kind of both together. Someone might say it's a little bit of a wicking type of material. Then on the inside, it had a quilted layer. Um, the quilted fabric, though, is more like a fleece. So very, very nicely keeps you keeps you nice and toasty warm without like making you sweaty, gross warm. You know what I'm saying? And the coat on the outside had more of a military cut without being like, I mean, the armed forces, of course. Uh, double stitching all around so it's gonna last me a long time really excited about it anyway i got it on a great deal 40 percent off because it's kind of the end of the season for coats and things like that and so i ordered it really looking forward to it i got it in the mail it's great i went out with jen and i happened to be one of those raining days and i'm really liking my jacket of course and we came across a puddle and for a very small short instance i thought about wow what if I hearken back to the olden days of chivalrousness and I took off my coat and put it over the puddle so that my wife's feet wouldn't get wet. And then I thought, wait a second, I just spent way too much time online looking and looking for and finding this coat and I spent a good amount of money on it. There's no way I'm putting it on a puddle to get dirty and gross. Chivalry is dead, right? Was the puddle what do you just... think, guys? Was the puddle just so big that Jen just couldn't walk around it? No, no, yes, that is that we had to go through the puddle, and it was either my wife's feet get wet or I ruined my brand new jacket that I really love. So, was like your detailed description of your jacket was that you channeling a more feminine Tom who 
cares about these sorts of things and you are identifying with women, I you couldn't tell, right? No, no, I'm not painting, at all. I'm painting a picture. What of, shoes was Jen wearing? She was wearing open-toed heels on a night where you would have expected to run into giant puddles had it just rained or something? Yes, did were you not listening? Yes, yeah, so, so then why would Jen be wearing open-toed heels? I don't in know, the she, evening where it had just rained and there would be puddles. Don't... We don't live in Tennessee where everyone's yeah. like on like dirt roads and things like most of the time you're on fairly dry ground. It might be a little slick, but not puddles, you know? Well, another thing, Josh, you have to understand Midwesterners are a, a hearty lot. A hearty, they're a hearty people. Like you kind of have to be. I mean, I won't lie to you. It's been like in the 30s here in April and I refuse to wear a winter jacket anymore because I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done with it being winter. I don't so, care that it's actually so still feels like it. I'm just so done. what you're saying is then it's your own foolish short-sightedness and and like self-convinced hardiness that puts you into the same situations that Tom described. Well, it's actual hardiness. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, okay wait. So I can just like prove myself to be all tough by wearing open-toed shoes in the middle of a rainstorm just because I say I'm hardy. So you can prove yourself to be tough by doing tough things? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay. That's okay. actually how hardiness works. So, right. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. But, but we're getting way too far away from the point of the fact that should I be chivalrous or should I not? I think the real question is this, Tom. Is chivalry dead? Is chivalry sexist? Is chivalry deadly sexy Ooh. it was dead sexy you screwed that oh, it was dead, sexy. dead sexy I literally as i was doing it, i was like can i get it can i get it and i totally didn't okay right, we, need, we need to move on thing josh why don't you talk about our sponsors hey well we would first of all like to thank the gospel economist friends of the pod since oh i don't know about episode 15 or so a long time ago and the gospel economist is a fantastic partner and website that likes to publish lots of material when it comes to how God interacts in this world, a.k.a. the economy of God. Awesome. Just going to stop there, huh? Just going to stop there. Just going to uh, stop there. And also the beggar's blog. Everything from uh, human sexuality to pretty substantial theology and philosophy. So feel free to check out both thegospeleconomist.com and the beggar's blog to see not only some posts that uh, that some of us, Gabe and I specifically, have written, but also a lot of really good content. Um, and they also like to, you know, publicize what we got going on as well. It's nice. Um, also, if we would love to interact with you ourselves. If you'd reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, the Twittergram. Uh, and really one of the best ways to reach out to us is uh, on the old uh, cell phone. Shoot us a text at 612 and another four numbers that six I don't know. 6258. 612-208-6258. Shoot us a text. We'd love to interact with you. We have actually been receiving a plethora of Rosé stories. Uh, and we we do appreciate that, friends. I got a, a tag on a Facebook post today about a Rosé margarita, which is is awesome. Um, so we also I got a wait, wait, wait. Is the text awesome or is the Rosé margarita awesome? Oh, just the text was. Yeah, the, okay, I'm sure the imagine. margarita is gross. He Josh, was, you were saying? Yeah, here was probably the best response we've received from uh, Kirsten or Kirsten. Which one is it, Gabe? It's Kirsten. Kirsten Monson. She says this, uh, I drank it once. 
In fact, it was a birthday cake mimosa, which had rosé, vodka, and birthday cake ice cream. That actually sounds pretty disgusting, Kirsten, but at least you decided to share with me the fact that you have imbibed in rosé one time in your life. So thank you. Thank you. And yes, we do have a listener who has at some point had rosé. It's good. It's good. Um, And before we continue on with the app, let's uh, share real quick what we're drinking Ooh, let me go first. Please. And for this, I have an assist from one of our good listeners. Okay, here's what happened. So I had been trying to catch up on the podcast. I hadn't listened in a while. And I clicked on maybe like the fourth newest episode just to to listen to some of the more recent episodes. And I was listening. And like at the end... Josh made some joke about Rosé and like, please send me your Rosé stories or something. And I didn't understand because I hadn't listened to the podcast, the original one about the Rosé. So I asked Gabe and he kind of told me, yeah, that's just like a joke from this other episode, whatever. Um, So I thought, okay, that's fine. And ended up like listening to the next newest episode. And lo and behold, like at the end or in the middle somewhere, Josh like makes this Rosé joke again. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's still making this joke. And it seems like nothing has happened yet. That's kind of annoying. Um, So I listened to the next one, maybe like the next day or sometime. And the next episode, he makes the joke again. And I was like, seriously, this is super annoying. And somebody needs to like send him a rosé story or send him some rosé. Like, is nobody even out there listening? How can they just keep making these same jokes week after week after week? And nobody's responding. And Gabe was kind of like, yeah, haha, it's been, um, you know, this, this going joke or whatever. So by the fourth episode that I listened to that he made the joke, I think, again, I was like, okay, forget it. I'm just going to ship him a bottle of rosé. Like, I can't handle it anymore. I need these jokes to stop. And I'm super annoyed. And I just got online right then, shipped him a bottle of rosé straight to his house. And I think I texted Gabe, hey, I'm sending Josh a bottle of rosé so that the jokes will stop. So we can move on with our lives. And you're welcome, everyone. Um, it was getting super annoying to me and frustrating. So maybe there's other listeners out there that will be happy and grateful for Josh to drink some of this rosé that I sent him because I listened and responded and move on with his life so we can all move on with our lives. Yes, listeners. That was Melissa Casper, <laughs> Gabe's wife. Sending yes, you booze. Yes, Melissa Casper, Gabe's wife, sent me a bottle of wine without his knowledge. And I inadvertently text him saying, oh, hey, thanks for this great bottle of rosé from St. Ambrose Cellars in Michigan. Is this supposed to get us ready for our adventure to Camp Arcadia again? And did I receive a response from Gabe? No. No. Did I receive a response from Melissa? Of course I did. Only then to find out. Only then to find out that she sent me, Gabe's wife sent Mm -hmm. me this delicious bottle of rosé. So, Melissa, Mm -hmm. cheers to you. Here it is, the conclusion of the rosé, I don't even know what to call it, desperate attempt to get anyone else to share in the rosé story with me. And, yes, I can move on with my life. We all can move on with our lives. And, good listener, I hope you can move on with your life. This will be the last you hear about Rosé from Josh Woodrow. Cheers. Cheers. What I like about 
her little video there was the logic, you know, it was like, I'm so annoyed by this that I'm just going to send you a bottle. So you shut up is pretty similar logic to how most of our interactions go, where it's just like, Gabe, I'm so annoyed with what you're doing that I'm just going to eventually just do this thing to shut you up. So um, just welcome to my life. So um, there, there you go. Uh, so me, I'm drinking <laughs> Oberon tonight. Uh, it is technically spring in Michigan. And what that means is we had Oberon day recently. Uh, and so it's back an American wheat ale straight out of Bell's brewery in Comstock, Michigan, outside of Kalamazoo. Uh, so love it so much. That's what I got. Tom, how about you? Uh, water. Neat. Uh, it's fantastic. Still, still prepping for that basketball tournament, huh, Tom? It's coming up this weekend. And, uh, yeah. We're, then then we're, we'll hit it hard on, on Sunday and moving forward. So <laughs> That being said, friends, you've made it through the introduction, which means we're going to go to break. Right after break, we're getting into our topic of, is chivalry dead? Is it sexy? No. <laughs> no you cannot get it. Is chivalry dead? Is it simply sexist? Or is it just dead, dead sexy? sexy? And we'll be back. Deuces. everyone welcome back uh today we are going to talk chivalry and to kind of guide us through this conversation uh, i came across an article that i found to be quite fascinating uh from the huffington post and uh and so i just kind of want to float it out there for us and we're going to do a little reaction to it and hopefully you are good listeners if you have thoughts uh we'd love to hear from you as well uh so here goes i'm just gonna just gonna get right into it uh tom josh you guys ready ready okay. oh yeah all right a new study out of Northeastern University in Boston says there are two types of sexists out there. Acts so of so-called chivalry, like paying for dinner, offering up jackets, and calling women love or dear, can be signs of what they call benevolent sexists, according to psychologist Jin Go. While hostile sexists are those who specifically leave housework to wives and girlfriends or wolf whistle at women walking down the street. So real quick, this is the, the, the line that's sort of, I, I guess, being drawn in the stand here is that there's, there's two different kinds of sexists according to this psychologist. There's benevolent sexists that uh, pay for dinner, they offer up their jackets when it's cold outside and they call women love or dear. And then there's hostile sexists, which is perhaps the typical sexist that we would think of, right? Someone who kind of sees women as inferior or relegates um, certain chores only to be done by women and that, that men couldn't possibly do that. That's women's work. Right. So the, that this, this, uh, psychologist is saying there's these two different kinds of sexes. So, uh, do you guys want me to continue? You got reactions to that yet? Well, the one I think we can clearly see as sexist. Right. I mean, that's right. You treat Absolutely. women poorly. Yeah. You're a sexist. No way around that. Right. Yep. If Correct. only women do the dishes, that's that's pretty sexist. Let's just leave it at that. Excellent. Okay. 
So while some women consider the behavior of benevolent sexists to be gentlemanly and courteous, co-author and psychology professor Judith Hall at Boston-based at a Boston-based university told the Daily Mail that benevolent sexism is like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It perpetuates support for gender inequality. All right. So does this mean that we should do away with chivalry altogether? Not necessarily. As AustraliaNews.com points out, if a man is carrying out these actions because he believes a woman is fragile and thus requires protection, then he's being sexist. But if he's doing it to be kind, that's just being polite. Let me pause there. If a man is carrying out these actions, holding a door open, offering his jacket, except paying for dinner, if the man is carrying out those actions because he believes a woman is fragile and thus requires protection, then he's being sexist. But if he's doing it to be kind, that's just being polite. What do you guys think about that statement? I think actually going back to the first part of the article, it, it seemed to throw in, in the benevolent sexism part. There was two levels there that I saw. I saw the calling women love and dear and things like that. I'm assuming one that that's calling them that outside of a relationship, a, a spouse relationship or whatever, right? So to be honest, not necessarily. So let me, the study, which paired 27 men with women between the ages of 18 and 22, encouraged the individuals to take a quiz and get to know each other, rating their agreement on a statement like, a good woman should be set on a pedestal by her man. So, so it's to say, like, so it's like, do you agree with that statement or not, that a good woman should be set on a pedestal by her man? Right. So, it's, well, so that that's in the context of a romantic relationship, right? Sh sure. Um, I wonder if all the questions. Yeah, and I don't context. know. They, it doesn't go into that. Because in I, I think about we went to the state fair this year, and we always like to go to the rodeo and things like that. And it's kind of this unique ecosystem where there's this 75 year old announcer guy and all the, the young women who go out and, and do the different rodeo things. He's like, nice job, sweetie. Nice job, dear. Nice job, hun. Over right. and over. And we're all just kind of cringing over there. But I right. also know that in that ecosystem, for some reason, that's acceptable because cute little old grandpa over there in the cowboy hat, there's no way that anyone's going to like get on him for that. Right. 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 But I call my wife love or dear all the time because in the bounds of our relationship, I tried it out one time. Hey, love. And she liked it. So that's true. Right. So like, if it's not in a romantic relationship, though, right. So, so like in one sense, you got like the, I don't know, the, the entertaining old dude hosting family feud, calling everyone dear and giving all the ladies kisses. Okay. And it's kind of like, are we okay with that as a culture? It seems like maybe we are. Um, and then but if have, I call my if I call my coworker like, hey, thanks, dear, thanks for doing that, right, that's wrong. Right. Like, thanks, sweetie. Like, yeah, that yeah. then that's patronizing, right? In in yep. that setting, it seems to be really patronizing. It does seem to be sexist. What yep. about holding a door? Is it ever sexist to hold a door? I don't. I don't. Here's I guess the 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 assumptive premise of some of those statements and questions would say that the average man the wolf hiding in sheep's clothing, so to speak, is making the 
judgment that the reason he holds the door open is because the woman simply cannot or is too fragile to do so. Where I I I guess that's where I struggle with this whole this whole discussion so far is like when I hold the door open for my wife or or even when I hold the door open for a random woman. You know what I'm saying? Or even a random man for that matter. If I'm like out shopping and and I see someone either coming towards a door or coming after me through a door, I will tend to stand there and leave it open. Yeah. And in no way, shape or form, have I ever thought to myself, oh, that person, woman or otherwise, is incapable or too fragile to open the door on their own. I'm just like, I don't want to be an idiot. I I just don't want to be a jerk. And – as I'm standing there five feet from this person, let the door shut as I walk away. Right. So that's, me, the, that's the extreme. That's the extreme assumption. The middle ground assumption is let me display my dominance by opening this door. You no, know, I, I think that's it. But see, this is, this is the thing. I think that's an extreme too. Yeah. I would I, say that is an extreme. I, I, I do too. So let but, me, let me phrase it this way. Like think about it this way though. Let's say like for, and I I think we maybe have all encountered this, um, where if I'm going to open a door and I see there's someone behind me and it's kind of that awkward distance, right? Where it's like, do I hold it for him? Do I not? 20, 25 feet. Yeah. It's tough. Like, what do you do? If it's a dude, I'm more likely to just let the door close. If it's a lady, I'm more likely to hold it open. And why do you, but why? Honestly, because I was raised like you open doors for women. And, 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 okay, great. I agree. So was I. Okay. What were you taught as to why you should do that for women? Yeah, right. It, it was, of course, never said because they're weak and can't open a door. It was like, uh, because it's, because you should treat women with care and respect and dignity. Okay, and, and so I think, but see, this is the challenge. I think that the author of the article and many people who who are on that side of this argument are tending to make this conversation out to be that that is born from an inherent, um, you know, dominance, like Tom said, or an inherent viewpoint, a sexist viewpoint that women are not, I don't want to say less capable, but are fragile in the sense of you should treat, they're just as able to open the door if you let it shut on them like that man that you choose to let it shut on them. Right, you know I mean that like polite, are, that being right? polite or being nice towards women has come to essentially mask like patriarchy and paternalism. Yeah, I think that is the logic, and I think the question though is that logic wrong? Like maybe let me let me let me let me like play devil's advocate on that and say because when you ask like why do you like why was I taught to do that? And I would say. Like, why was I taught to do that more so for a woman than for a man? Why was I taught to do that differently for a woman than for a man? You know, actually, hey, b- before you answer that, fun fact. Yeah. I think it was – I think I heard this a while ago that in in Turkey – I may be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right in remembering this um, this way. That in Turkey or some other country kind of in that, I don't know, Western, Central Europe kind of maybe even Eastern Europe sort of thing – that it's the opposite, that men were raised to not open a door and let a woman walk through first, but were raised to open the door and walk through first themselves in case there was danger on the other side. And in doing so, 
the man would then be like bear the brunt of an attack from an intruder, uh, a, a violence, a violence of any yeah, sort, yeah. whether it's they from take a person the hit or first. They I, take the hit first. And so this is kind of funny because in, I think it ties in a conversation where it's like here you have the same sentiment, you know, in the sense of like, okay, the, the man should either take the hit yeah. or or sort of step aside and let the woman pass. And this is in a variety of cultures. It's not just simply like a super American Western or even necessarily like Western European based, you know, system of ethic when it comes to right. door opening right. or whatever. Well, and I, and I do think so. And that was like a little bit of what stuck out to me was the line of um, this. If a man is carrying out these actions because he believes a woman is fragile and thus requires protection, then he's being sexist. So part so, of me says like statement of fact, generally speaking, generally speaking, obviously there's exceptions all across the board, but generally speaking, dudes bodies are bigger than women's or, or are, what's the word I'm looking for more likely to, or more made to take a punishment than women's or like, I mean, or stronger than women's, right? Like dudes, get muscles faster than women do get bigger ones than women do like it just happens so so to say that the bodies aren't different when they are is stupid you're both staring at me i mean no one can see this because it's an audio podcast but are you like just, <laughs> just wondering... step into this crap with me or what no no but i mean i think that that's i think that's the assumption that the author is is getting at what do you mean? Is that you're you're basing kind of like a a sexist assertion based on this kind of assumed biological premise? But it's not an assumed biological premise. It is a biological fact. But isn't this oh, okay? Okay, okay. And, and I, I don't, mean, like, I, don't, so, I, so I make I, the rule like I only hold the door open for women that are that I could probably beat in an arm wrestling competition. No, no. But this is. This is, I think, where the state of this conversation is currently. Like when it comes to women serving in active military in the same like ranks and roles as which men have traditionally held. You know, a lot of the elite units uh, in the various branches of the, at least the U.S. military, like, you know, um, Army Rangers, um, Navy SEALs, you know, that kind right. of stuff. Where it's like th they've been previously excluded because of the fact that biologically they're not as big or have as much muscular development as men tend to have. Right. Right. And what's really funny is I actually brought a similar point up to my wife. Jenny and I were talking just the other day about something and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, I'm like, I, I sort of used that biological argument with her. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, like, just look at the military, you know what I mean? That, that classic military example, like, okay, if I get shot, is a five foot three hundred and forty pound woman going to be able to drag me six foot two hundred and twenty pound man out of a, a combat zone? Right. Like, you know, and and typically the argument goes, no, we're not. You know, as a as a male military, you know, uh, member, I'm not going to trust that woman to be able to do that job. But what was funny is my wife wasn't really funny. Uh, poignantly, my wife said, "Yeah, but that's because." that's been the way like that's sort of been the paternalistic pattern you know what i'm saying that like is to is to make the comparisons in the sense that regardless of this these biological facts 
that we still treat women as as incapable, inferior, or or actually that's not true. She, what she said was, we've never been. She didn't say we. Women have never been put on the same level or same playing field as men. So therefore, to make any kind of these comparisons is still inherently skewed and biased. Yeah, dude. I, but I don't think it is. Like, I mean, for example, um, like take uh, yeah, this is going to open up a rabbit hole. But but take like uh, the UFC. Like there was a, a a trans woman who fought in the women's division. Right. So as a person who uh, was biologically a man, but their gender identity was a woman. And so she fought in, in the women's division. They had to stop her from doing it because she was breaking jaws and cracking skulls. Like, there I mean, was, you, there was a high school wrestler that did the same thing right. and went 100 and all. Yeah. So so to me, it's like the, Clearly, when it's the same level of like competition, same level of training, same diet, same intensity, the biology of a dude is just different, and and so like it it it, it is a level playing field there. So I, I don't I don't I guess so. You're saying that biologically, it you that the argument could be made that biologically, the the female body is more fragile than the male body. Is that what you're saying? I think so, yeah. At least, well, what's tricky too, though, is, right, is I think about, like, the trauma of childbirth. Like, like I think I so, think yes. This is, I feel like this is just not, this, not the route we wanted to go down on this because it doesn't get us. Okay. I, I want to ba back up. Why, okay. you know, in, in, in my intro, why would I, why would I put my coat down for my wife? And we got, and, and we started arguing about why my wife was wearing open toed shoes. Right. In the same instant that yes. night later on, uh, it's cold out and I take off my jacket, my suit jacket, and I put it around my wife because I can see that she's visibly freezing she has goosebumps she is shaking cold and i'm not because i'm wearing a long sleeve shirt and a shirt underneath an undershirt underneath that and a coat a wool blend suit coat over that so i am not as cold and so i am going to put it around my wife um because she is wearing an itty bitty black dress right and Ooh. so why you, you know we could definitely go down the road like well that's the that's the problem inherent with the system is that women have to dress up all like this, you know, um, it, fine. Wear a suit coat, you know, but like in that instance, she was cold and I was not. And so I took off my jacket cause I don't want my wife, the love of my life to be cold. Okay. So well then, then, well so then, am I being sexist? No, no, no. So, okay. So, so let's ask the question so, this way then let's ask the question this way then. But, I have never in, in any act or moment when I have acted chivalrous towards my wife, has she ever stopped and looked at me and said, I actually think this is sexist. If anything, it's been the opposite reaction. Thank you. Oh, I love oh, you. I appreciate this. I value this. Okay. So that is in a loving relationship. Um, the door opening one, because okay, any, how many any times... female stranger, any female stranger I've ever opened a door for any well, but, male okay, so, stranger. So these, these are two different things. Would you take off your suit coat and give it to the pretty girl sitting next to you that you are not, you know, you're standing out lying, waiting for your 
valet, you, you know, your car, you're waiting for the bus, you you know, whatever. Would you do that to, to the girl next to you? But see, oh, am I with my wife? No, but does, you don't even does, go there because I would. Doesn't matter. Tom, I can answer that. I I would. I, and I, I, have. I probably would. Yeah, and I have oh, too. Okay, and, and and that's cool. I think I think there would be a difference. I you know creep factor or or just why are you like, doing this for me thing and that's no, different I, than holding the door because holding the door happens all the stinking no time. listen i'm I'm just gonna say this and i'm probably gonna get in trouble and that's fine i'm just gonna say it here it comes i would say that the mind that 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 particular author author's study and view falls into a, a minority of women in the world i would say that the vast majority of women who had a man open a door for them, give them a coat, any other chivalrous act out there would be appreciative and wouldn't be thinking in their minds, either actively or subliminally, this person is sexist because he thinks I'm fragile and can't handle my own business. But here's the deal. The question then is not, you're right. I, I think you're right. But the question is, should they think that? Should they think that this is a sexist action? Okay, like, well, so whether, so whether then, they so consciously then, do or not, it's neither here nor there. Okay, well then, at least for our purposes, let's bring this from the realm of of social, uh, you know, like sociology and social experimentation and social theorizing into at least a theological realm, right? Come on. The Bible is pretty clear, especially in Ephesians 5, that this is the role that men are to play, not just for, I mean, for their wives, but I think it can also be extended to to women in general. That we are called to sacrifice, to, if need be, ultimately lay down our lives. I mean, yes, I know that within Ephesians 5, it's, it's within the context of marriage, right? But I would say that it is fair to throw that out there as an expanded worldview. For, because when, when Christ talks about going the extra mile, taking off your cloak, giving it to a stranger, he doesn't make gender designations with that. Right. He just simply says, for the stranger, for your neighbor. Right. And so therefore, if I am a man and I see a woman who's cold, like you said, Tom, standing in line, shivering, goosebumps, whatever, freezing, I should just give her my coat because that is the right thing to do in God's eyes. That is showing love for my neighbor. And even more poignantly, when it's within a loving relationship, I should even go beyond that mm -hmm. to the point of self-sacrifice. Not because I think that this woman is, is incapable or fragile, but because that's simply the way that I am to show the love of God, which has been shown to me. So then I think the, the question of that, Josh, would be, is it appropriate for you to receive that from a woman? So like if a lady was like, oh, Josh, you forgot your jacket here, wear mine or oh, Josh, let me get the door for you and, and hold it for you so that you can walk through. What, does that bother you? Is that wrong? I've had I've had women open the door for me, and I'm I don't give it a second thought. I'm like, cool, thanks, appreciate that. You know what I mean? I've never had a woman offer me their coat, um, or or do anything that blatant. But once again, that gets back to this. I mean, you're you're, you're taking us back into this the sociological realm. You know what I mean? Like they've women have not been. I don't want to say like trained or instructed or taught because that's it seems like this is some kind of you know uh, large scale generational brainwashing and and paternalism, but women have not been taught to to be proactive sociologically in making the the first move 
to providing those type of same chivalrous acts to men. Should they? Or is that something just men should do for women? Or should women like actively be looking to do chivalrous acts towards men? I think so. I think some women do. And, but but I think that the way that that is done tends to be an attempt to emphasize equality and diminish what that particular author in this you know in, in, what our conversation was based on that initial report and, uh, and and test was done you know what I mean survey was done to say that that they're bucking the system you know what I'm saying. You know, the interesting thing is that the word chivalry, because as we were talking about this, I was thinking about like, does does the word, sh I at least in the way we've been using it here tonight and the way that people usually use the word, there's a gender con connotation to it. And the word chivalry really does come from, it, it does come from a medieval knight system, but it encapsulated their entire religious, moral and social code. And certainly there were probably some things in there that were very gender gender based, but it was also how you, as you just kind of said from a religious standpoint, it's how you treat other people. And so you can be chivalrous to men. You can be chivalrous to children, to, mm -hmm. yeah, to, that's to, good. to everybody. And it's how we should treat others. Yeah. If you see a guy standing next to you at the bus stop and he's cold, offer him your coat. And yeah. That's just how you should treat people in Ephesians five. It is yes, specifically talking about your wife. And this is how, you know, it says, you know, treat your wife as you'd just as you'd want to be treated. It, it is hold, hold your wife up as you want to be treated. But I think that holds, I think that's got to extend to everybody else. Yeah. Can I ask this? So I guess on the one hand, this is where I, I kind of struggle with even having conversations like this. So, if to make a point and say, you're right, Tom, chival chivalry itself is is gender neutral, mm -hmm. at least in today's in today's society. All right. No, I, 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 that's what it was back then. OK, so we'll say chivalry is gender neutral. From a pragmatic. Sociological, anthropological standpoint, if I then make a commitment to myself, I am not going to perpetuate a system in which women are meant to perceive themselves as fragile or whatever. I'm just going to stop opening doors for women. And if I see a chick following me right. and, yep. and if I see a woman following me, I'm just going to let the door slam in her face because yep. you know what? I don't want her to think that I'm being pejorative in my action of holding the door open for her. Instead, it's actually more respectful and, and yep. more equitable to just let it shut in her face because, hey, that's what I would do to a dude. Like, to me, that just seems ridiculous. And I don't know who could argue that that makes sense. Yep. But where am I wrong in that? Where, where am I wrong in thinking that that even the author of this report would say, like, oh, you're just being, you know, an a-hole? Well, I think perhaps the difference would be to the scenario that I portrayed earlier where I said, like, again, this is just an example of this. But, like, if – well, we, we could do a billion examples this way. Let's say you're the one person with a jacket on and it's a bit nippy outside and there's a dude next to you who's cold and there's a lady next to you who's cold. Who are you giving your jacket to, right? The chivalrous thing is to do the just thing, right? I think that's almost synonymous with virtuous, right? And so it's to, to care for your neighbor, to love your neighbor. Which one are you loving first? Which one are you giving the jacket to first? And again, yeah. in my mind, if I'm, if I'm honest, it's going to the lady first. Yeah, yeah that's that true.
and that's where you Gabe, that's kind of where you where we kind of went down that that you know physical body type kind of thing that if you're if you're gonna go if we're gonna hold up the argument that women are just biologically smaller and things like that and more prone to coldness because their body size is smaller and there's less fat and all this kind of stuff, then yeah, they're probably colder than the dude sitting next to me. Like, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I is that a thing? Is that, is that why you're inherently making that decision? Right. And is that why I'm, well, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Is it just biology? Cause it, again, I probably would say it's not, I, there's probably more to it than that, I think. And is that wrong? Like I, I would say, I, th- I think the 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 article you referenced earlier would be you. Yes, it, it's not wrong, but it is sexist. Well, sexism is wrong, right? But not the way that the author posited it. The author of the report said it would be subliminal sexism, not blatant sexism. Right, benevolent sexism. But benevolent sexism, yes. But. Well, sexism but, is still sexism, right? Isn't that always wrong? Isn't that the point of calling it sexism? Uh, I'm gonna guess, right? But so, but then the other thing, though, too, is like, how many how many other factors come into play here? Because then I was thinking about this too. Like, say you're you're on the bus, and you know the seats are full up, and you're sitting down. Well, if I see a dude in his twenties come in, guess what? Homie's not getting my seat. Like, he's just gonna stand and just deal with it. But if I see a lady in her sixties come in, she's going to get my seat. No, make it, a lady, matter, make it a lady in her twenties. Same thing. Lady like, in her twenties. She's probably still going to stand lady in her twenties. Who's pregnant. She's going to sit. But that, that, so that's different. I mean, as soon as you throw that into there, now you're talking that, about, I guess that's my point though, is that there are a lot of variables like to this is to say like, um, no, for the sake of the conversation, we're, we're talking about the same able-bodied male and female of same age. Yeah, they're still know. not getting it, or neither one of them is. Yeah, but but I think what 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 scripture would say is put others before yourself all the time. Just, dude, get up. You know. Yeah. I mean, God didn't say give a cup of cold water. Um, they have to be orphans from this hemisphere. From, you know, like right, right. There's not these limits that we we impose on it. But there is also. Well, go ahead, Tom. You're gonna say something. No, 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 no. Keep going. Well, one of the things with that, I mean, that's 100 percent true. The other struggle is there's an impossibility to that too, right? So instead of us being, you know, it's 11:30 at night right now, Eastern Time Zone. I am not out on the streets feeding homeless people. I'm sitting in my basement talking on a microphone to my friends. So am, am I not doing what I should be doing? Right. I mean, like, like there's yeah. a, a yeah. human capacity limit to these sorts of things. Um, and so I, I mean, so all that to say, like, it's about saying, how do I extend and serve when I can in as much as humanly possible? Well, see, and I think that goes back to the article of when you do it, it's where where it's coming from and then you know if you are truly doing you know getting up out of your seat simply in the best possible way if you are opening the door in the with the best possible motive then it's not sexist okay but then you still have the flip side of the person 
who is having the door open for them deciding whether that's sexist or not. Right. You know, and, and, and part of me says like, do I care? Like, like, because if it's the right thing to do, you can think whatever you want about it. If it's the right thing to do, I'm going to do it. Well, right. And I mean, that quickly gets us down to, you know, the, the, uh, a lot of the sexual harassment stuff when I say, Hey, I really like your shirt today. And if that person decides that that was sexual harassment, then guess what? That was sexual harassment. It's on, you know, no matter yeah. if I had the best intentions, I I wanted to compliment them because I thought they looked nice today. Yeah. Or simply, I just really like that shirt. Love the pattern. Love those colors, you know? Yeah. Um, different gradients there. But then it comes to then this thing where, hey, I'm really just trying to open the door and be nice, whether it's a man or female or male or female. But now this person decides that I'm being sexist. And I think your point is equally true. Like, I don't care what they think. Right. I mean, and at the same time, like, how, how do you, what's the word I'm looking for? This is good radio. Uh, I don't know. I, part of me just like, I, and this is maybe dangerous ground to tread on, but there's just sort of an intuitive sense in me that says like, I should, you just do it. You just do it. Like it's, it is just always the right thing to do. But that intuitiveness comes from the movies right. we've watched, the books we've read, what our parents had yeah, in the Bible. Generations of what we've been taught. I mean, I'm not, right. I'm not saying I disagree with you, but exactly right. what I'm saying. This has come from generations of indoctrination. Right. I, just, I just wonder if some of this stuff, you know, that, that we've built it up into sexism, but like, you know, like, why did we start opening doors for women? I, I seriously doubt it was because we, we were making doors that were so big and heavy back in the day that only the biggest and strongest men could open them. But maybe it was simply because women were wearing hoop skirts or something and needed to, like, use both hands so someone else would open the door for them. And that's where that got started. And then we're like, hey, why don't we just keep doing that? You know, like... You're I, such I, a sexist, Tom. You are I, such like, a sexist. I know. Actually, your example there is, I don't know, maybe not that far off from the truth. Doors were probably really friggin' heavy. I like uh, Sol Solid wood? Yeah, they weren't hollow. Yeah. I like. There's probably something to that. I, I, you know, yeah, I, th there could be reasons for why. I mean, if you look at we we haven't really discussed the paying for dinner thing, you know, but if that that's to me a very definite piece of of until not too long ago, males were the breadwinners for the family, and so when men and women went out on a date, guess who had more money? It was yeah. men that that's how it was. Men went off to war and then they got a job and then they married the pretty girl and the, 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 the girl moved straight from, uh, from their parents' house in with the man, you know? So like he was earning the money, so he'd pay for dinner. Well, that's changed. We now have, um, we now have men and women who are earning great salaries. And yes, I know that there's still a disparity there. Let's not go down that path, but like women are just as able to pay for dinner as the men are. So, right. well, and let me, so maybe can I do this? Like, let's let's play it this way. Do I want to live in a world where men don't open the door for women? Do I want to live in a world where men don't pay for dinner? Do I want to live in a world where men are neglecting responsibility for other people? I mean, to me, that's the other thing is like, I want dudes that are considerate of other people. So part of me wonders is if the whole notion of chivalry came from a way of, I don't know, curbing men's inherent uh, 
desire to be selfish. And it, it like forces your hand societally hmm. to at least not be selfish in this moment. Hmm. Interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about that. And, and I think too, just like as a father of a daughter, like my daughter's awesome. She's super smart. She's a strong gal. Like, and, and I, if she wants to be president of the United States, like I'll be the first one to vote for her. Like I'm all for it. Like go. Um, but whatever dude she brings home, better open the door for her, better pay for dinner. It, you know, can I say, okay, this, so I, I don't know if this fits exactly, but I feel like it does. So I'm, I'm helping my wife coach a middle school girls volleyball team. So we're talking fifth to eighth grade girls, right? Mm -hmm. My wife and I, male and female are both co-coaching this team. Mm -hmm. And my wife can get intense. She can yell. She can get loud. And the girls are not afraid of her. I showed up at a practice a couple weeks ago, and I was really intense, unintentionally. And after about 15 minutes, my wife stops me and says, hey, are you upset about something? And I was like, no. She goes, are you angry? And I said, no. She said, did you have a bad day? And I said, no, absolutely not. I had a great day. She goes, because you seem really upset and the girls are afraid of you. And I'm like, no, no way. That can't be. I'm just, you know, being intense and like how I would be treating, you know, and, and swinging on with a volleyball like that boys at the same practice. Like I was making no gender distinction whatsoever. I was just ready to be intense coach for the day. Right. Yeah. And I asked the girls, Hey, am I scaring you? And they all were like, yeah, you are. And there was, there's something to be said about that, that the intensity level of both my wife and I can be the same. She could actually be louder and, and more scary quote unquote. And mm -hmm. yet there is still this inherent intimidation factor uh, coming from a grown man versus a grown woman when it comes to say middle school girls. Yep. And, and I think that ties back into kind of the, the biological, you know, aspect of this game that you brought up at the very beginning of this conversation is like, maybe there actually is something to be said. And maybe it, even if it's uncomfortable, maybe we just have to be okay with saying, Hey, you know what? There are some biological differences that actually impact this conversation and they, they make very real differences in the way that we can discuss things like chivalry or the interactions between male and female that aren't quite clean cut and as cut and dry as we'd like to make them be for equity or equality's sake. I, I don't know, man. I, we, we, we may get come under fire for this, but I, I kind of, I'm with you there. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't see a way around it. Because if I'm treating those girls in the same way, I'm not saying like I'm not taking it easy on them, right? Because I right. think that they're fragile because they're middle right. school girls. I'm treating them the exact same way that I would treat anyone else in that situation. And they are genuinely afraid. Like they genuinely feel threatened by me. Yep. That to me speaks of some something. Yeah. I, I would think a biological difference, but I'm not I can't say for certain. But there's something there between me as a as a grown adult male. And my wife, who's a grown adult female, that conveys some type of threat to them. I mean, yeah. And I suppose the 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 uh, the, the opponent to what you just said might say, 
Well, yeah, of course. Like they, it's it's all social construct, right? Sure, like they've been, they've yeah, been they, socially constructed exactly. to see a male as sort of this intimidating hierarchical figure, and so when he behaves a certain way, da da da. So is that hardwired or is that sociologically constructed? Um, yeah, that's that's fair. That's a fair point. I mean, that's probably what they would say. But then the question is to say, let's say it was. Is it wrong that it was? Because because mm. again, like I I I don't. And I guess I say this as as a white man. I mean, so like, who am I, I guess? Right. But like, I, I, I don't know that I'd want the reverse. Like, do I want like a wimpy Josh that no one wants to listen to? Like, I, I don't think so. I think it it's probably important that you're a strong figure. Does that make sense? I mean, I guess that no, it, it, it does. It does. But I, but I also resonate with your conviction that you're speaking from a, you know, perspective of privilege as a white male. You right. know what I mean? Like I, I get that. Right. I feel that I understand that. But at the same time, I'm like, nah, I don't know. Like, how do you, I don't know. How, how do you argue against that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, friends, we could probably talk circles about this forever. Um, Tom, do you have a, a closing thought? I have a closing thought here. Uh, it's simply why we put coats down for women. And actually, I don't know anybody who's ever done that. Uh, <laughs> you mean like laid a coat in a puddle? Yeah. So no, someone could step on it? No, it all comes uh, from back to the 1500s. The legendary Sir Walter Raleigh, uh, who uh, was visiting, or the Queen of England was visiting, and it was raining out. There was a puddle. And uh, he extravagantly took off his cloak, which everyone knew was very expensive, and in a flourish, put it down over the puddle so that Queen Elizabeth would walk walk across, not on dirty water, but at least on, on his felt coat or whatever. And because he did that, that became the tradition. It became the fashion. And so other men wanted to, wanted to be like Sir Walter Raleigh. Is that true? It's the closest that I could find on the interwebs. Wow. Well, it must be true. It it must be true. right. Internet has never lied. That is a fact. Never has. But when you start seeing things a number of times, you know, it, no, I think you're probably right. That makes like, sense. It's logical or some variation like that. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, 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 that adds up. Uh, well, friends, let us know what you think, man. Is, uh, is chivalry dead? Is it sexist or is it just dead sexy? There we go. Come on. Church. Nailed it. We're going to break. friends we're back and uh, it was a lively discussion we were a bit waffly i think than perhaps more so than usual but uh but that's all right it's uh it's a sensitive area right now in our culture a lot of uh, conversation happening around it but uh as we were talking off air you know josh uh i really feel like you, you hit the nose on the head as to uh is that the right way to say that nail on the head I'm nail sure. on the head i don't know where the nose came from um but uh at any rate in uh 
and what it's, I don't know, maybe really all about. So would you mind just sharing that with the good listener as we close out today? Yeah, if you're still listening, I, I'm sure you're probably thinking, hey, these guys spent a lot more time coming at this conversation discussing and discussion from a, a sociological, you know, sort of angle. And I think for us, for Gabe and I, and the re- and for Tom, really, for the reason that it probably seemed that we waffled quite a bit is because we do really struggle with the tension between saying, okay, how do we engage in a topic such as this in a highly secularized culture that that isn't necessarily on board with the the theological framework that we use and 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 really utilize as kind of an approach to this, um, but at the same time are, are convicted by. And what I mentioned to Tom and Gabe was like, hey, you know what? Maybe where we can land and maybe the way that we've acted and will continue to act in the future, at least for the three of us, is that, you know, maybe there's something to what Jesus said that, you know, he, he told his disciples scarcely would someone die for someone that they loved, much less someone that they hated or much less an enemy or a stranger or a foreigner. And yet I think that really gets to the heart of, of where we all kind of end up is like, Perhaps these acts of opening doors or laying down coats or giving coats to someone who's cold, you know, even if they are a stranger or someone we don't know, perhaps they are simply just demonstrations of the same love of God that has been shown to us through Christ. And so, at least for me, and and I think for Gabe and Tom, that's kind of where we're going to end up, that we could argue in circles sociologically, anthropologically perhaps, about where this ends up. But ultimately, at least as Christians, we can say, you know what, the love of neighbor does simply or it should consume us and therefore dictate our actions toward anyone, regardless of gender. Love it. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us. Shoot us a text 612-208-6258. We appreciate you. Check out the Gospel Economist. Check out the Baker's blog. And as always, as always, we want to say thank you to our friend Janet. Janet, we hope we didn't cause you offense or cause you to stumble. Indeed. I'll give you my code any day, Janet O'Neill. Any day. Put it in a puddle. Deuces. Unless it's brand new. That's true. And it has like wicking on the outside and like fur, <laughs> fur on the inside or whatever. And, and double stitching. Double stitching. Double stitching. Are we done with this? We're done.